0: Okay, well, good. Uh, It's still morning, I think, just about. Good morning, everyone. Um, I want to just share with you uh, for a short while from God's Word, and uh, I trust it will be encouraging for you. Uh, I was speaking to a friend uh, this week who is a good Suffolk boy, and uh, I was speaking to him, and I said to him, how are you doing? And we were just walking together, I said, how are you doing? And what I expected was the good East Anglian Suffolk boy kind of response of, yeah, I'm all right. Just the kind of thing that we say, isn't it? I'm all right, even if we're not all right. And he said something that just made me, it just took me back a little bit. He said, I'm enduring. He said, I'm enduring. And uh, as I kind of unpacked that a little bit with him, I thought this is, this is the right response, actually, to that question. He's some, someone who's going through difficulties with his work and with his health to an extent as well. And then you add on to that all of the, the pressures of this last 18 months with the pandemic. He said, I'm enduring, And I thought, that's actually a pretty biblical response. And uh, when you trawl through the pages of the the New Testament, there's a whole load of verses about endurance and perseverance. There's a whole lot of of stuff in there about that. And that should give us a bit of a clue. That should give us a bit of an an idea about what the Christian life is like sometimes. Um, It's not easy sometimes. It is a case in which we have to endure sometimes. And uh, we even... In those verses, as we were praying for for Martin, Paul charges Timothy to endure hardship. He says that. And there's actually dozens of references to endurance and perseverance. Sometimes because of the fact that we're opposed by an enemy that we can't see. Sometimes just through things that happen in uh, in life, through ill health or, or whatever it might be, we have to endure. We have to push through in some ways. And there's a whole book in the Bible called Hebrews, which is written with endurance in mind. We don't know who wrote it. It was a letter written to a church that's probably predominantly Jewish uh, church. That's why it's come to be known as Hebrews. It's got a lot of Jewish kind of themes in it, themes that you find sort of rooted in the Old Testament. But it's a book that was written, a letter that was written with endurance in mind. And it seems like the writer to this church kind of was concerned for the church, and we kind of get the impression as we read Hebrews that they're under pressure in some ways. They uh, they're under pressure to kind of leave their faith behind because they're they're experiencing social kind of being outcast socially because of their faith. And what the writer to the Hebrews is kind of picking up is not endurance. He actually says in um, chapter 10, and verse 36, he says, you need to learn to endure. What you need is endurance, he says. And what he's getting back is not kind of a pushing on and enduring, but actually a shrinking back. People starting to give up meeting together, saying, I'm not sure I can do this anymore. People thinking, I I just, I can't deal with this hardship anymore. That's what he's picking up. And so he's writing this whole letter to them, and it's full of really rich theology. It's some of the richest theology in the whole of the Bible. It's so, so thick. Like you read in the pages, you think, this is glorious. It's all about Jesus. And he preaches the gospel to people who are already Christians, preaches the good news to people who are already Christians. and That's what I want to do today. I want to encourage you from some verses in Hebrews to uh, encourage you to persevere, to keep going. Maybe some of you, that might be your response, if you're really honest, is I'm persevering right now. I'm enduring. I'm maybe going through some hard things. And uh, I want to share with you from Hebrews 10 some things that I think will help you in this. We're going to read verses 11 through to 25. This is what it says. And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool For his feet. For by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. And the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us, for after saying, This is the covenant that I will make with them, after those days declares the Lord, I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds. And then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. And then these next few verses is where we're really going to base ourselves today. Therefore, brothers, so in the light of what Jesus has done, in the light of the fact that he has perfected us once and for all time by his sacrifice on the cross, where there's no need for payment of sins anymore, in light of this, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So there's three exhortations in this passage that we just read. Firstly, it's let us draw near, then it's let us hold fast and then, let, it, then it's, let us consider how we may stir up. So if you're a note taker, the three headings this morning are draw near, hold fast and stir up. So we see in Hebrews this exhortation to draw near to God again and again. It pops up in chapter four, in chapter seven, in chapter 11, in chapter 12 as well. Draw near to God. This is something that the writer to this church is at pains to paint for them. You can draw near to God. You can draw near God to the one who created everything. You can know him personally, closely, and you can come before him with confidence, with boldness. This is something that he's at pains to emphasize. You get to draw near to God. The way has been made, and it's in those verses that we read at the the beginning, the way has been made by Jesus, who has, it says, by one single offering, he has perfected for all time those... Uh, who are being sanctified. So we're being sanctified. That is, we're changing day by day, being more and more set apart for God's purposes. You and I are a work in progress and yet we have been perfected. We've been perfected. We've been uh, given Jesus's perfect uh, standing before the father. We've been given that and therefore we can draw near. If you've placed your faith in Jesus, you've been perfected once for all time and you're still being sanctified. You're still being changed day by day. And so in the light of that, we get to draw near to God. We get to have friendship with God. Abraham was called a friend of God. He, he, he walked with God like, like a man walks with his friend. And I wonder if you know this morning that this is your inheritance if you've placed your faith in Jesus. If you've, if you've trusted in Jesus, if you're a Christian, your inheritance is that you get to have friendship with God. The, the way has been blown open. It is, it is open for you to come near to God and to walk with him. This is, this is mind-blowing. We get to know God as our friend. We sung it this morning. I've known you as a father. I've known you as a friend. This is what we get to know. This is our inheritance. And yet, we can sometimes find ourselves, maybe even for years, in a rut of condemnation because of something we've done or something we should have done that we didn't do. And we can kind of think that God just tolerates us. That, you know, maybe we might get let in one day when, when we die and our time comes. We might be brought into God's presence, but it's sort of by the skin of our teeth. And that God just sort of tolerates us. Maybe he just accepts us. No, no, we we have been adopted. God has taken us on. And and that, you know, that's our inheritance, friends. That's That's our inheritance. This is we He doesn't let go of us he doesn't just accept us he he longs for us to walk with him and to know him closely and that 's our inheritance and Some of us we, we don't want to take a hold of our inheritance we're we're just happy enough with the certificate, but actually walking in the inheritance we're not we 're not doing my brother and i we we uh, lost both of our parents last year and um we we're in the process of receiving an inheritance, and if you 've been through this process before, you get a certificate which says a probate certificate. You get the certificate which says you've basically got an inheritance coming your way. It would be ridiculous if we just thought, isn't this a lovely certificate? But we don't actually do anything about drawing our inheritance down. That that just would be foolish. And yet the writer to the Hebrews is saying you've got this inheritance. This is yours. You get to walk with God, you get to draw near to him. You get to enjoy him. And there was a great preacher a couple of 100 years ago called Charles Spurgeon who he described it like this. He said, let us not settle for being a mere stowaway on this liner of free grace. Let's go into the first cabin and enjoy all the comforts on the way, having fellowship with the great captain of our salvation. Do you think sometimes I'm a bit of a stowaway? I'm kind of just getting in on the, I've, But I'm not really walking with God. Spurgeon goes on to say, let's enjoy heaven on the road to heaven. One day we're going to see God face to face. We'll be without pain and suffering. All the rubbish stuff in this world. And we'll know him in perfection. But listen, friends, we get to know him now. We get to enjoy heaven on the way to heaven. This is our inheritance. We get to draw near. I I remember when this kind of first clicked for me when I was 16. I get to draw near to God. What I wanted to do more than anything else was just go and be with God. And I I lived quite near the countryside. So it'd be about 15 minutes walk and I'd be in the middle of nowhere. I just walk with God and talk with him. And that, friends, is I mean, there's been times, surely, when I think I've kind of allowed condemnation to come in and just kind of not taken a hold of my inheritance, but that has now marked my life. I want to walk with God. And I look weird because I don't have a dog. Some of you guys have dogs, right? You walk in the countryside, doesn't look weird. I look weird because I haven't got a dog. I'm just walking along, just talking out loud. People might think, who's this guy? (laughs) There's people weirder out there than me. I'm, I'm okay with that. But this is our inheritance. We get to walk with God. We get to draw near. And we, we draw near with a true heart. So th- this means we don't put on a pretense to God. We don't say to him what we think he wants us to hear. But we actually pour our hearts out to him. D- do you know that this is what you can do before God? You can pour your heart out to him. You can pour out your pain to him. It says, cast your cares upon him because he cares for you. That's what the word says. Last week I was driving to the tip on Saturday morning and I had some burdens within my heart and i to be honest i couldn't even work out what what it was that was making me feel miserable and i went and dumped some stuff at the tip and as i was driving back i felt god say you can cast your cares upon me and i had to search, you know sometimes you've got to search your heart a little bit don't you you've got to think what is it that i'm anxious about you have got to kind of think about it for a minute what is it that i'm sorrowful about and i just knew this i'm going to pour my heart i'm i'm sad about this god i don't want this to be happening i want to pour can you please can you take this from me This is our inheritance, friends. We get to walk with God, draw near. If you're feeling like I'm enduring some things right now, drawing near to God is so key. It's so key. And this is what God has done for you. Second exhortation is to hold fast, to hold unswervingly to the gospel, to to the hope that we have. That's what one translation says, hold unswervingly to the hope that you have. And right now, there are many, many things that would um, distract us and uh, maybe that we might put our hope in. Um, I think last year it was, we had our hope put in some scientists to produce a vaccine. Uh, it might be that you, you're hoping for a government change. And you might think, if we get the right person in power, then it's all going to be all right. I don't know what you're hoping. And maybe the economy. Maybe you think, I, I just need the economy to upturn a little bit and that's all going to be good. There's so many things that we could be tempted to put our hope in. I was chatting with a guy on Thursday who doesn't know Jesus. And uh, we, were, we, were, we were reminiscing about the summer when football nearly came home. It so nearly came home. We, we, it was around the court. It was coming down the street. And then just at the last minute, it went to Italy instead. And, uh, and he said to me that that night, he was so distraught about the match. And he lives with he's in early 20s, lives with his parents. He said, I got home and I woke my mum and dad up and I cried on the bed for an hour. <laughs> but and I had to laugh. I had to poke fun at me. Thankfully, he's poking fun at himself now as well. But yeah, we can put our hope in all kinds of things, can't we? We can think this is my hope for life getting better. And what the, the writer to the Hebrews is saying is you have a hope. And uh, it's not that life's going to get better in this life. You know, we want to fight for uh, justice and, and lifting up those who are oppressed. We want to do that. But we're not going to know perfection and utopia in this life. And our hope is not in governments. It's not in financial systems. Our hope is in Jesus, that he's going to return. And, and, and we need to have our eyes. I mean, the end of this passage talks about the day, that his day is coming. The day. The, the New Testament Christians, they... They were constantly reminded to look to the day. We need to look to the day. This is something that helps us endure. We know that these things are but momentary afflictions. And they're not even worth comparing to the weight of glory that is coming on that day. So I don't know what you're going through, whether you're watching on at home or here. I don't know what you're enduring. But they're not worth comparing to the weight of glory that will be ours when that day comes. When that day comes. To keep our eyes fixed on the hope that we have. Hold unswervingly to it. Don't get distracted and hold on to our other hopes, thinking if this happens, then it'll all be okay. No, no, we hold fast. Hold fast to the hope that we have. This is so, so important. I want to encourage you, celebrate the, the day that's drawing near. As we even have communion in a moment, let's just let's celebrate the day is drawing near. His day is coming. His day is coming. And every eye will see him. And and, and and his kingdom will be ushered in all its fullness. The day's coming. So hold fast. Finally, stir up. Or let us consider how we might stir one another up. Let us consider how we might stir one another up. Let us consider this. This isn't for your elders. This isn't for those in leadership in other areas of church life this is for all of us to consider how might we stir one another up? How might we encourage one another? How might we... I mean, this stirring up thing is like a, it's like a poke in the ribs. That's the kind, of, uh, the kind of image we've got in mind. They're poking the ribs to stir people up. H- how might we do that? How might we encourage one another? How we, let us consider that. Let's consider that even if you get a quiet moment this afternoon or this evening. Let's consider, how can I encourage and stir up? This word encourage... Uh, it, in the Greek, uh, I'm no Greek scholar, but I've done a bit of research, it's, it's this word parakaline. So para means to come alongside of, and then there's this word kallio, which is to call. So it's to come alongside and call. It's to come alongside and call out some things. To call out and, and, and to, to, to um, pronounce courage. It's the kind of word that's used for um, leaders when they're sort of sending their troops into battle. You see that in the kind of ancient writings. This same word is this in cry of encouragement. Come on, we can do this. Think think, Braveheart or, or Gladiator. We're going in, guys. This is the word to encourage, to send tired, fearful people into battle. And so this is what we're looking at here when it says, let's encourage one another. It says in, in Hebrews uh, 3, And verses 12 to 13, it says, encourage one another every day as long as it is called today. He's making a point there. Do it all the time. Is the day called today? Yeah, it's called today. Encourage one another. Encourage each other. To, To be a Christian is to follow Jesus, who is, He's the one who gives us eternal encouragement. We read. We, we, we have a God who's the God of all comfort. This Holy, this Holy Spirit, He is the comforter. He's the, the one that is our advocate. This is, this is a God of encouragement and we follow in his footsteps. There is so much power in encouragement. I need you to hear this. There is so much power in encouragement. It it's, has such an effect on us. Encouragement is to the soul what adrenaline is to the body. Adrenaline, it, it causes you to do extraordinary things, doesn't it? And have you known some adrenaline rushes in your life? Well, adrenaline causes you to do extraordinary things. I remember three years ago, uh, some really precious people let us have their flat in central London for a week. And uh, we, we just did the tourist thing. We were like we were such typical tourists. We did everything. And we were so proud of ourselves with three young children. We came towards the end of the week. We hadn't lost any of them. Uh, they were still with us, which was good. And uh, then we went to the Science Museum. And my daughter, Keris... I've got two daughters and a son. And my daughter, Keris, she loves um, when she sees something shiny uh, or, or something interesting, she wants to explore it and sort of really investigate it. And it was no different back then. We were walking around the science museum, and all of a sudden, uh, Sarah turned to me, my wife. She said, where's Keris? And uh, we looked around, and we were in this big room. We couldn't see her anywhere. And I don't know what happened, but it was like, hot, like beast mode, okay? Like, I was like, suddenly like the Hulk some adrenaline came into me and I went looking for Keris and I, I was literally shouldering people out of the way and I didn't care because some adrenaline was running through me that I was going to find my daughter. And we eventually found her. It, it felt like two hours. It was only about eight minutes, but we found her and, uh, and we cried and we were hey, like, thank, thank God we found you. And the rest of the holiday, we dressed them up in very bright clothes. We weren't going to have that again. But listen, adrenaline is, is, is astonishing, is what it does. I mean, some of you might carry around an EpiPen. This is, this is what's going on here. You, you take something, if you've got an allergy, and, and you come on, into contact with an allergen, and you could be in big trouble, but the EpiPen just is that shot of adrenaline. It just brings you to life. This is what encouragement is for the soul. And, and that might sound like an extreme analogy, but there might be some, I think there are some here, um, and maybe you're your own worst critic. Maybe even um, your parents just criticise you all the time. Maybe they're not even around anymore, but they criticised you. And some of you are even just, um, you're just kind of at that point of, I just want to pack it in. Maybe that's where you are right now. Maybe you're watching on from home and that's where you're at. And encouragement is so powerful. If only we knew what power our words have. If only we knew what power encouragement has. There's a great story uh, about Charles Wesley. Some of you will have heard of Charles Wesley. He was a great uh, minister and songwriter. He wrote Hark the Herald Angels Sing. And uh, there was a time in his life where he was desperately low. He got pleurisy. He was very ill. He was in bed a lot. And he was starting to doubt God's goodness to him. And starting to doubt, you know, God really called me to ministry and uh, some of his mates rocked up at his house and they prayed with him and they brought testimony to him. You can read about this story. It's a true story. They brought testimony to him of what he had done for them. They encouraged him They said, you did this for me, Charles. And, and this changed me. This... After that, he, he was so encouraged. He wrote this song over a thousand tongues to sing. It's a song that maybe some of you have sung in your lifetime this very famous christmas carol and and it just changed things for him this this one moment of encouragement it just brought him out of this kind of moment that he was in and so i want to i want to encourage you lcc to be uh, a church of encouragers to know to co- to co- take time to consider who can i encourage and stir up and it might be just with encouraging them with a bible verse but it might be i see this in you and and you call forth some people he said i see in you leadership that's been so encouraging for me over the years people said i see this in you you're really good at this yesterday someone told me I, I walked with them back in lockdown in january i was at a wedding with him he's just become a christian got baptized a few months ago he said that Moment when we talked, that was the moment that I gave my life to God, and I, and and he said, and, and that was so it was so important. And you might not have thought that it was very you know significant at all, but that you know that encouraged me deeply. And so it might be that you just today, this, I'm not, I don't. What I don't want when I talk about encouragement is to be like a flash in the pan. Think this is a week where we're really going to encourage each other, and then next week not. But actually, this to be a culture um, where we just seek to. To speak into people's lives and say, I see this in you. When you did that, when you prayed out the other day, when you did this in small group, when you led that ministry, this was amazing. You've got such a gift in this. Or, or prophetically, just saying, I believe God's saying this to you. Just bringing encouragement. It stirs up. There's a guy in the Bible called Barnabas. Gets called, he's basically called it in, the encourager. What a great name to have. Wouldn't you want that on your gravestone? One day, he encouraged me. He encouraged others. She encouraged others. This is so, so vital. So vital to endurance. In a, in a time where it, is, it has been a rough 18 months or so, maybe longer than that now, that we've been kind of in this weird kind of situation, sorrowful situation. We need to encourage one another. How different will we, will we look to the world around us as we build each other up with our words? Hey? How, how different will we look? I mean, it's vile in places. There's so much rhetoric that is about tearing down. If you go on, I mean, it's not a great place to go. But if you go on Twitter, for example, you see people tearing each other down, get, just taking each other on because they're different opinions on different things. It's so vile. There's more than, it's not just in social media. How different will we look if we're people who are, are taking time? Let us consider how could we stir one another up? How can we encourage? How can we come alongside and call forth some things? Just just look around you just for a moment, would you? Just take a moment just to look around you. There is breathtaking potential in this room. Breathtaking potential in this room. Now when we talk about God astounding you in the months to come, yeah, he may, he may bring people to this church and strengthen you. Praise God if he does. Pray that he will. But there's breathtaking potential in this room. It's enormous potential. But it, 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 it does require some calling out. It does require some calling forth. It requires some courage, actually. But it's so good. I mean, it, it says in Acts, it's, Jesus said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. You're, you're You will be blessed as you give encouragement to others. Because what, ha- what you'll see happen is you'll set something in motion months down the line. You think, I just encourage them with something very simple. Now look at them fly. That's a real blessing. There's something for you guys. I wanted just to leave that with you today. These things, they, they, they work together. Drawing near to God, holding fast to the hope that we have, not getting our hope in other things, stirring each other up. These are so key to enduring, so key to persevering, to keep going. I wonder if I could pray for you, and then I think Mike's going to lead us in communion. Should we just, should we stand together? I don't know if we're going to stand for communion or not, but you can stand for a moment. Let me just lift up our hands to God. Just I want to receive from you, Lord. Father God, we thank you so much that you have made the way for us. Lord, we celebrate that you've made a way where there was no way, Lord where priests every year would have to make the same sacrifices and then these priests would die and they wouldn't really ever deal with the situation. But Lord Jesus, you came. Lord Jesus, you came and once and for all time, you have perfected those who are being sanctified. Lord, my brothers and sisters here, you've perfected them. Lord, that they might come boldly before you. I pray that what would mark Lowestoft Community Church would be an army of men and women who come boldly before their father and know the inheritance that they have and know that they can draw near with a true heart. I pray, Lord God, that this would be a mark of this church. I pray, Lord God, that it be a mark of this church that they hold on to the hope that is theirs, that, that Jesus, you will return and Jesus, you will make all things new and Jesus, you will you will be glorified. And every tribe and every tongue will confess you, our Lord. I pray that that would be the hope that we cling on to. So that when the media might say, you should be worried about X, Y, Z. No, we say, no, our hope is in Jesus. Our hope is in Jesus. We, we hold unswervingly to it. And I pray, Lord God, for each one of my brothers and sisters here, that we would be deeply encouraging people. I pray that people, uh, when they see us coming, will think, oh, good. He's here. She's here. And what I'm going to be left with is I'm going to be built up and I'm going to be encouraged. I pray, Lord God, that that we know unwholesome talk coming out of our mouths, but only that which builds up. Lord, I pray that we would be people who build up others, that we might encourage people. I pray, Lord God, that there'd be men and women released into their destiny in this church because of real deep encouragement. I pray for courage for my brothers and sisters here that we would speak out when you're prompting us. And we would just take the moment to honour others and to say what we see in people and, and bring them forward into their destiny. I pray your blessing over this church. Father, thank you so much. Lord, you have carried this church. You go on carrying this church. Lord, as Martin pray, this is the apple of your eye. Oh God, we pray that, uh, Lord, in the days and weeks and months to come, Lord, that there will be much encouragement for them. Pray for testimonies that will come forward of what you're doing amongst them. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.